And hello there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of QC Brief. We're here with Michael Forian. We hope you're doing well by now. We assume that you know what this is. This is the podcast that comes twice a week. Monday, Thursday gives you a quick little brief of everything that's going on through the campaign. We give you a nice little brief analysis based on our experience. We'll cut the we'll cut the little intro short so we can get to our uh, topics because, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, Michael, but uh, first of all, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. It's good. It's it's crisp. It's fresh over here in Gatineau, Quebec. Oh, I, I was I was in Gatineau yesterday. I was interviewing. Uh, you came all the way to Gatineau. And you didn't. You didn't give me a heads up. You didn't I, even. I, I came in. I had. I had no idea. I had no idea where I was. God, it's far. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, listen, I do Gatineau, so you don't have to. It's much better that way. Jesus. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know about the campaigns uh, that you did. I always knew and I always used to have this conversation with the volunteers, but mostly with, you know, the the core team there, you know, the the organizing uh, team. Be vigilant towards the end of the uh, of the first week or during the second week, closer to the third week of the campaign. That's where journalists usually try to derail the campaign. They have been collecting different things from different candidates. They have the research department uh, uh, having already done the job. Just be careful. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> We're in the second week of this campaign. The amount of blunders... Uh, that I, I don't know if they will derail the campaign, but it's definitely enough for something to stick over here for whatever party to kind of hold on to, to kind of point fingers to, or whatever you want to call it. Um, we're going to get through that because we talked about that in the very first episode. Let's yeah. hold on to see what's going to happen, how this campaign might get derailed, what the candidates might uh, or might not say. Uh, and this week, it just appears that it all just, happened together. They all decided, let's go. This is the week where we're all going to say our bullshit. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think that a lot of uh, journalists, I mean, they're, they're looking, they're out there hunting for some scoops. And of course you also have, you know, the political parties looking for dirt on their opponents too. Mm -hmm. uh, there, from, from what I recall, there's a certain unit within the Quebec liberal party uh, known as the Dirt Squad, where the team of researchers, a uh, crackpot team of researchers, would go we, out. We, we called them. We always called them the Fishermen. The Fishermen. I like that term too. Yeah. I, I think they they really liked using Dirt Squad for some reason. <laughs> dirt in any, Squad. In any case, uh, I know a few people that were on it uh, or are considered honorary members. In any case, yeah. and uh, they they would, especially with the advent of social media, with with Facebook, Twitter, with with all of these. Uh, social media networks where people are just constantly posting ridiculous things and from 10, 15 years back, not thinking that now, today, they would have yeah. been presenting. I'm a public themselves. figure now. I'm a public, oh, public figure, figure, or at least presenting themselves as a candidate, right? Yeah. Whether or not they are running in a, in a, in a viable seat for their party or a non-viable seat for their party, you're still representing the party brand. You're representing the party uh, institution. And obviously right. you're representing the leader. That's right. And, and you, you need to be on your best behavior, but journalists, um, know that the person who you are today is maybe not the same as same as the person you were 10 years ago. And that could be detrimental to the campaign, especially if there were comments of, you know, racism, uh, you know, really nasty stuff that's out there or just simply embarrassing photos, too. 
yeah. come back to haunt you. It, it, it's incredible to see how it all came down this week. And we're going to start with the Liberal Party. I mean, there's a candidate in the writing of Laurie Dorian. <laughs> I should know something about that writing. Uh, a brand new candidate. He's much more Anglo. Uh, and they they dug up something that he said a couple years ago on the legitimacy of Quebec <clears throat> to wanting to change its constitution so that they can uh, mark that it uh, constitutes a, a distinct nation and that French is the official language. So he came out, he wrote something, I think, on the Gazette or in the Suburban. The Suburban. In the Suburban, uh, that it doesn't have the legitimacy and uh, that he, uh, he had some things to say about Bill 101 and protecting the French language. These things never sit well. I mean, in Quebec, if you're running in politics, there's kind of like a, uh, 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 what do you call it? Like a like a ground rule. Well, it's it's the third rail of politics, right? In Quebec, it's it's some you French, don't touch it with a fifteen yeah. foot pole. Yeah, yeah. You don't touch the language. French is the official language. Uh, Quebec is a distinct nation. The, this seems to be like the groundwork. Like this is whatever party you're running in, uh, you're running with. You got to know this. Like you cannot contest that, and I, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I do believe that we make up a distinct nation in Canada. Uh, I don't think we should be separate from Canada, uh, and I do believe that French is the main language here, and I think it should be protected. I mean, these are standard things, you know. Right, and and there's a few things that we have to unpack here uh, first. So this is uh, Deepak Awasti and and Laurie Dorian. This is, of course, for for people who are joining us for the first time, um, this is a writing that George Rannan, uh, you carried the Liberal Party banner in 2018. You did a commendable job. You did a fantastic job, actually, on on the ground. Thank you. And um, you know things didn't work out the way that we obviously wanted them to work out, but uh, you did uh, a major. Uh, campaign for the party, and you were one of the, I think, the most highlighted campaign um, uh, campaigns in Quebec, uh, just with your presence on the ground and, and Laurie Dorian being as central as it is uh, to uh, in, in the island of Montreal. So kudos to you for that. This time around, however, um, the candidate's Deepak Awasti, and and you know when you're conflating Bill 101 and 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 built with Bill 21, th this is not going to go down well for you. I can understand, you know, going after Bill 21, which I think that most English-speaking Quebecers understand, allophones understand that it, it, it's it's a bad law. Bill Bill 101, I think we we've gone way past. Uh, the last exit to to modifying or changing it, it's it's established in Quebec. Whether you you personally disagree with it or agree with it, it it's not going to go anywhere. And, and again, people don't touch this. On the on the question of of recognizing Quebec as a nation, um, and and it, this candidate in particular had opposition to it. I remind people that Stephen Harper recognized yeah. Quebec as a nation in the House of Commons. Justin Trudeau recognizes Quebec as a nation. We again this is not a it's not up for debate. When when the two major political parties federally recognize Quebec and its place within Canada, you, you we're, we're not going to go any further in terms of taking that away from them. So my, my my point being is that um what this really comes down to, these are embarrassing comments for the leader, a leader who's already looked upon, uh you know, Dominique Anglade looked upon as somebody who doesn't care about uh, French Quebec or, or seems to coddle Anglo-Quebec to, to such a degree that Francophones feel that is as if she doesn't have any emotion or, or understanding of, of Quebec outside of Montreal or, or, or outside the greater Montreal area and has, has a, a disconnect with, with people in the regions. 
And what this, what we really need to be pointing the finger at is the vetting process. And every major political party has a vetting team, a vetting committee that will look at candidates and evaluate, you know, going through their social media history, doing a, a criminal background check, looking at their credit, doing a credit check, making, understanding, is there anything that could come up that could be detrimental from a public relations standpoint to our campaign? And if something does come up in that process, do we green light them or do we red light them from yeah. going on? Yeah. And and this I, this was obvious. If it was done, it was done terribly. This is this is uh, somebody should be fired immediately. I, I don't think it was done at all. I mean, no. when you look at the fact that they didn't have candidates, into they hadn't completed their 125 candidates till the end of the first week of the campaign, right. and even then they just had to. You know, we spoke about this. They had to throw people, you know, and their husbands and their wives and anyone they could find, uh, just so they can get, you know, put that embarrassment behind them. For sure, the vetting process wasn't done appropriately. Um, I mean, to be honest here uh, and to give her credit, Dominique Anglade came out the morning this article came out. She clarified her position. I know that she spoke directly with the candidate and she said that, listen, I spoke to him. We're aligned. He agrees with us. Um, I mean, look, do you but do you do you believe that? I I don't believe he is. I I think he was given a talking to and he was told, you shut up. You don't say anything more about this. Throughout the yeah, campaign. This is our position. Do you understand it? Yes or no? Yes, I understand it. Perfect. That's it. It's over. Hang up. Uh, look, it's what you said, right? I mean, these are emotions. These are things that come up at a certain time and uh, you're asked to comment on them. And you're not thinking at that point in time that you're going to be running in the campaign or that you're going to be in the public eye. Right. I mean, and if you do these are important things to maybe mention. Hey, by the way, guys, uh, you know, I, I did, you know, this and this in this article or. Right. Uh, so anyway, I mean, uh, luckily for them, it hasn't stuck that much. It, it took up maybe, I don't know, an hour, uh, you know, last week or this week in the morning. So it didn't it didn't uh, occupy that much. The news, I think they got away with that one. Pretty uh, they were pretty lucky with that one. Another one, however, that might stick. Uh, is uh, the Conservative Party of Quebec, the leader, Eric Duhem, who a couple days ago, uh, he was campaigning in an English riding, uh, and he was asked about his position on separation. Uh, now, he did mention that right now, absolutely not. He would vote uh, against the independence of Quebec because he sees that it's not something that people are preoccupied by. But eventually, you know, the door is open. I mean, uh, you know, maybe later. He left it. He left a question mark over there. Right. And that one stuck. Yeah, I think it stuck. It, it played a little bit in. It, I mean, this all spurred from the uh, you know a Quebecois article, a Tivia Nouvelle article that came out, and and their headline was definitely a lot more intense than some of the other ones I saw. The headline was heavy compared to the text. It was it was <laughs> it was indépendance, c'est non maintenant, mais peut-être oui plus tard, dis-je, indépendance. Uh, it's no right now, but maybe later on. Uh, says uh, Conservative uh, Party leader Eric Zweim. And I think that the way, like, and it's it's funny how some of his supporters, especially in the, the Anglosphere of Quebec, have really been acting like contortionists trying to defend his policy on this. Um, because, of course, as Anglophones, they're Adam, Adam and Federalists. And, and, of course, him saying this completely takes away from their credibility in Anglo writings like Jacques Cartier or Darcy McGee or Westmount St. Louis or whatever. Uh, where again, I don't think that the conservatives have any hope of chance um, in in winning any of those ridings. But 
again, it does take away from their credibility because there are some, you know, high profile candidates or some candidates have gotten some media attention yeah. in those ridings. But again, it, it looks pretty, it looks pretty bad. And I think it's, it's important just to go over some of the stuff that he said. He said that he wanted to assure that future generations, if they change their views, would have the option to have a referendum. I don't care what your, you know, sort of asterisk is next to your position when it comes to uh, a referendum question. This is not good. You're saying that the, this will not bode well with any Anglo community across Quebec when you say, oh, well, I want to make sure there's an option to keep it open just in case if they yeah. figure out down the road, they're potentially thinking at the back of their mind and they say maybe whatever, it's going to come down to it. No, yes or no. Anglos want to hear yes or no. They want to hear a direct answer. But also, Michael, you know, independence, the, the issue of independence isn't a flavor of the month kind of thing. It's not. No it's one cares. This, but but, but Duhame is a former PQ staffer. He's a yeah. former Bloc Québécois advisor. This is somebody who has not just flirted with separatism. It's not somebody who's just flirted with independence movements. Oh, he's he's actively been engaged in it. Yeah. He's worked for these political parties, George. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I, I, I understand where he's taking it. He wants to give the impression that we're here to represent the people's will and the voice of the people. And if ever anything changes, we got to be there to make sure that we give them what they want. But it's not uh, like I said, it's not like, oh, today I I, I want a popsicle. Let's have a popsicle tomorrow. I want a nap. It, it, that's not what it is. This is the independence. You're either for uh, uh, separating or you're not. It can't be a flavor of the month kind of issue. So I I don't know where this is going. I know the liberals jumped on this um, like crazy, especially in the Anglophone writings. And yeah. it's just funny that this statement came while he's campaigning in an English writing. I, I I'm speechless. I, I don't understand. The, the 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 relation between the two. I don't understand why he would do that. There, there's no way this wasn't an embarrassing comment for his Anglo candidates. There's no way that, and and of course, like he has candidates that are running with him that are former Pekis, yeah, former Bloc uh, Québécois um, uh, activists. Uh, it, it makes sense. He, you know, Zuame is trying to build a conservative coalition. Uh, he's trying to build a, a coalition of conservatives coming from, you know, social conservatism to fiscal conservatism to libertarians and also conservatives that were used to be part of the, the independentist movements. And it makes sense that, you know, he would want to perhaps use some messaging. But I personally believe this is a viewpoint that he believes in. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that these comments truly reflect his own personal opinion and his opinion and how he would govern if he were ever to become premier. Now, of course, he's never going to become premier. But my point being is that this is still important for people to understand. And if people for them, if the ballot box question, which I think it's it's less and less, but if the ballot box question, box question for them is a question of of separation, and I think for many Anglo or, or, or the, the prospect of a, of, a, of a referendum, I think that only skews towards older Anglophones of a certain age. Mm. Um, th th this is a complete write-off. But older Anglophones of a certain age who are, you know, disaffected and feel completely disengaged with the PLQ, I've been looking 
at Eric Zoema as an option. They've been wanting to hear more of him. They said, I want to hear him when he's on CJAD. I want to listen to him when he's, I want to watch him when he's on CTV Montreal. I want to hear what he has to say because I'm looking for all, an alternative yeah. this time around. And a lot of Anglos have come to me and said they, they've never, ever voted for a conservative party in their life. Mm. And this time they're, they want to give Zoom at least a chance during the campaign to make his appeal, make his, his positions known, and then they're going to make up their minds. But this is not helping. No, uh, we'll, we'll keep the best one for last. But I want to go to Quebec Solidaire. This happened yesterday. The entire day was taken up by this. Uh, they made an announcement. The, the CAC jumped right on it and called it the orange tax. Uh, basically, Quebec Solidaire announced that um, they want to tax 0.1% um people's net assets so we're talking not only your income tax here this is uh your entire valuation if you want so we're talking about your 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 property your asset value uh your investments your pension plan uh anything that you have that adds to your asset minus of course the your um your uh, your your expenses so everything that comes in minus everything that goes out whatever is left over if it's over a million dollars you're getting taxed 0.1%. Now a lot of people are saying look 0.1% on a million dollars a thousand dollars it's not the end of the world. However, the thing that bothers is that when they talk about the ultra rich we're going to go tax the 5% ultra rich and they put in that category People that are, that have a, a net um, a net asset value of a million dollars, for me, it makes absolutely no sense. And all the analysts that came out to to to, to talk about this are hundred percent right. Having a million dollars of asset value, you're not ultra rich. You can have that by making like a $60,000 salary. You bought a house maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. By the time you get your retirement, that house might be valued at seven, eight hundred thousand dollars plus with a pension that you've put aside, you're probably worth a million dollars by the time that you retire. And then when you retire, they're going to come and take out a thousand dollars. And there's a big issue here. This is going to I think this is going to stick a little bit more throughout the campaign. Um, they have a hard time explaining where they come up with a five percent of the population, because how do you know? How do you analyze the, the people's property value, the investment value? Like, how do you how do you calculate all that right um and i think it's going to stick i i think this is where uh quebec out loses credibility and and they they walk into this bear trap of you know they they've been largely unscathed throughout the 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 early uh the early campaign thus far you know we're we're, we're very early on and so far they've been pretty good but now we see that they're they're tripping on their own policy and instead of getting the coverage that they were hoping they deserved, they're they're getting the the coverage that they fretted, and definitely their their advisors were having nightmares of. Um, this is not all. This is not just including. You, we're also forgetting that the fact that this would also be a, a there would be a thirty five percent tax on inheritance mm-hmm. um, for worth worth one million dollars or more. And and inheritance taxes uh, have uh, you know uh, you, you have to go back to the United States to look at uh, people like Grover Norquist who uh, labeled things like inheritance tax uh, death taxes and uh, was very effective in terms of his messaging. But that would also mean, uh, and I think I'm glad I have to give it to her because she had the best response to taxes of this nature. She called wealth and inheritance taxes an attack on on Quebec's farmers. 
And she did this while standing in front of, uh, of a combine harvester during a campaign visit in um, just south of Montreal. And she said, you know, it was good because she said the, the harvester the, was valued at, at, at over a million dollars itself. And I feel that who, I'm happy that she had at least one good day on the campaign trail. Um, but, but my point being is that that image right there, that image and point to it and say that alone is going to cause problem for the family that owns this farm. That's going to be a detriment to Quebecers in this community, in this region, across Quebec, who rely on this farm. And the imaging there was perfect in terms of being able to, to get that message across. You know, uh, yeah. And, and you, you think about the younger generation, too, that are less likely to want to continue farming, that are more likely to want to sell off their assets, uh, sell off their farm to a larger company to a to a conglomerate and say, you know what, here it is. I'm out of this. I want to go work in the city. I want to go live in the city, and I don't want to be doing this anymore. Even though my family's been doing it for generations and generations, it sends a message, and it's a really good story to tell. I think QS really dropped the ball on this. It takes away credibility from their platform. They they tripped up on their own policy, and they didn't need to propose this. They didn't need I, when they talk about higher taxes. They could have gone after. Uh, les paradis fiscaux, uh, Panama Papers. They could have gone after so many different things that people want governments but, to no, but you know what, Michael, governments to attack. Even if you want to keep this structure, I don't know, uh, say $5 million, you know, say $10 million, whatever. I don't know. It would make a little bit more sense, right? Um, but to think that the ultra-rich are every person, yeah. uh, is every person that has a net, Uh, asset value. There's of, a big disconnect a right there. It's a huge and and look, Gabriel Nadeau Dubois is an excellent communicator. I saw one of his uh, rallies that he walked into some uh, committee. I can't remember where he was, and he said, "Listen, this is a united front against us, and the reason for that is because we uh, what we're saying matters. They're afraid of us, and not, he, they're going to spin it that way, right?" And his message was exactly what you said. Everyone else is disconnected. They don't understand the reality. They don't understand that. Uh, the ultra rich have these types of assets and the rest of the population doesn't. And I find that that is disconnected. Yeah. And, and then I think, the, I think it's the opposite. Yeah. And the thing is too, is that there, there's, there's also a high cost for jurisdictions to administer taxes like this. Um, the how, open- how is that going to happen every single year? Can you imagine the, 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 the public service burden on people having every single year, to look at what you earned, look at your investments, look at the return on those investments, look at your property value. Like, like you, you would need another revenue. Quebec. Holy you would need another revenue agency. Jesus. Yeah. And, and of, of the, of the 11 members of the OECD that had been doing it. And it was, a you know, wealth, these are wealthy nations, of course, um, of those 11, only five now continue it. So it goes to show that it's ineffective governments by and large don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think, look, Quebec Solidaire with this uh, proposition, I think what they did is they drew a line, a line in the sand and said, this is what distinguishes us from the other parties. And I think they're pretty much saying you're either on this side of the line or on that side. And it's a clear indication of who they are, what they believe in. Um, and I think, you know, they're going after that younger generation that is afraid that we might never own a property or we may never, you know, uh, have investments or whatever the, 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 the mindset is. They're but going but after- of course, but like you said before, some, for some parents, when they are 
when they pass on, the only wealth that they will be giving to their kids is that house. I've the been only strolling, thing they've invested yeah, for sure. is that house. I've been strolling through Twitter and the amount of tweets I find of people, random people that are saying, I just switched my vote from QS to PQ. It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, anyway, Huge we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that uh, that carries on, but I have a feeling that might stick. The one blunder I think that is going to probably stick until the end of the campaign is um, the the comments that Premier Legault made the other day, uh, yesterday actually. Les Québécois là, sont les Québécois sont pacifiques. Hein? Ils aiment pas la chicane, ils aiment pas les extrémistes, euh, ils aiment pas la violence. Euh, donc, euh, il faut s'assurer qu'on garde ça comme c'est là actuellement. Uh, linking immigration to violence to maybe even racism. I mean, definitely it's the most xenophobic thing that I have heard. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 his opponents were quick to jump on that. Um, tell everyone a little bit about that. Yeah, and he was he was making these comments uh, yesterday uh, at a press conference. He was trying to make a link between immigrants uh, and violence and extremists. Those were Legault's words. These are not my words. Mm -hmm. And and they they drew a really um, a really intense reaction from from a lot of his opponents. Um, but but more just going back to to him, he had to apologize for what he said. Yeah. Um, he said that he didn't want to associate uh, immigration with violence. You know, he said, I'm sorry if my words have been confusing. I, I didn't have a, I didn't try to. And then he tried to pivot and say, but, you know, immigration is an asset for Quebec. And we need to get those immigrants to to integrate. Um, and, and integration will always be a challenge for a French speaking nation, North America. I, as much as he was apologizing, I, I'm, I'm you know, we, we know what he said. We, yeah. we know what he said. Um, you know, he said Quebecers are peaceful. And what does that imply? It implies that immigrants are not. Yeah. Um, Quebecers don't like bickering. And he implies that, well, immigrants are going to talk back and they're going to raise their hands and they're going to say, okay, well, these are some things that I like and I don't like. And they're going to have a voice. Yeah. Quebecers don't like extremists. Uh, it, it, immigrants it, it, are. <laughs> I, I honestly, you know, I had to read that statement several times. I'm like, okay, maybe it wasn't written prop but you know yeah. journalists are very careful when they say stuff like that i mean the, the 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 quotes they put it's the exact it was incredible and it brought me back uh to the time when the liberals were in government and they were talking about immigration again and the the, the numbers uh of uh the, the of immigrants uh that should come into quebec or not and i remember back in the day premier couillard criticizing uh, Legault, who was in opposition, and he said exactly, you know, uh, Monsieur le Président, le chef de l'opposition souffle sur les braises de l'intolérance. You know, he he's he's yeah. walking, you know, on on a thin line, basically, right? Uh, and there was this storm of criticism towards Legault, how uh, towards Couillard, how can how dare you? You're calling him a racist, blah 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 blah. It just brought me back to that because what I also remember in 2018 was Legault struggling to explain the process of immigration. I just do not think that Legault fully understands how immigration works in Quebec. No, uh, I he I think he oh I think he understands the the system. I think he understands uh, the the complexity of the system that it currently is because it's a very complex system. As somebody's had to deal with it in terms of helping people navigate uh, through that that system, I, I think he, uh, he he knows exactly what he said. Um, and when you say uh, you know Quebecers don't like violence, and you're talking about immigration, you're implying that immigrants are violent. Yeah. 
and and so and then when you say you have to make sure you keep uh, Quebec the way it is, you're implying that they're going to make Quebec violent. They're going to make Quebec. Um, they're 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 coming. Extremists are coming in. They're going to disrupt things and make things no longer peaceful. And and you're talking about immigrants. And and that's yeah. that in itself is disgusting. Uh, I think that uh, he he. I think he's going to have some struggles with some people in, in the greater Montreal area that were, you know, that are francophones, that are cack leaning, that are sort of like, you know, geez, I voted for the liberals time and time again. My family's, my my father and mother have done it. My grandparents have done it. And this time he's, they're, they're, they're looking at CAC as, as a viable alternative. And they're looking, you know, at the, the, the PLQ flat sort of floundering on, on, on the ground. Um, they're going to start questioning that, that, that lean to the CAC right now with that. But I don't think that what Legault said was was um, was by mistake. Mm-hmm. I do feel that he was speaking to his base in the regions. Right. I do think that he believes in those comments, and I do believe that it's going to help him in the regions. Right. Do you think that it's enough to uh, kind of destabilize his campaign or derail it? Obviously, no. not in the regions, but you're right. No. Probably in the in the big metropolitan areas. And, and this is the thing that we. This is this is the big the big thing that we need to take into consideration is the fact that he's talking to he's not talking to montreal mm. he's not even talking to the greater area of montreal uh, the greater metropolitan area he he's he's talking to his base which is in that 200 kilometer corridor in and around the quebec city region uh you know the estrie uh the Beauce, uh the, the la Nodière, the laurentians i mean this is where he's speaking to directly and he's taking pot shots um, at Montreal, like he's done in in the first Radio Canada debates, right. um, interview debate. Montreal has always been a target. So this type of language, where he's shitting all over immigrants, par for the course for the kind of dialogue that he wants to have with his base. Interesting. Um, let's move on before we wrap it up. Let's move on to some polls that you um, that you looked into some key um, writings that we had mentioned, uh, particularly in Montreal, around Montreal and, you know, some in the regions. Uh, things are starting to move. You know, I'm not sure if they're going to maintain uh, if they're going to if they're going to maintain themselves that way until the end. But we got some close races. Right. And particularly like in the island of Montreal in itself. Uh, and I think one of the ones that we do have to look at uh, would be uh, Verdun, where Isabelle Menonçon is running for re-election. She uh, was a, a POQ staffer. She was a POQ chief of staff at one point. Be ran in a by-election in Verdun when uh, when the late uh, Jacques Daou, um resigned from politics uh, during the Couillard era, and she won in that by-election. She ultimately became minister of environment. And uh, right now, we we aren't even seeing a three-way race um, in Verdun. Uh, there was a, an ECOS poll that was done. Um, and now, I remind you, this was an independent poll that was done on behalf of Quebec Solidaire. Right. So when you hear independence, yeah. know that it was commissioned by a political party, right. and the results were favorable towards that, for that, towards that party. So you have to take it with a, maybe a mountain uh, of salt or two. 32% for Quebec Solidaire, 26% CAC, 21% Liberal, 13% PQ, and 4% Conservative Party. Yeah. When there's a 32 to 21 split between the frontrunner QS 
and liberals in third place at 21, that is sending a huge message right there. And that is a seat that was considered a liberal bastion. Yes, you take the campaign seriously there because there are some voter tendencies to go to QS, some at the time, some voter tendencies to go to the Parti Québécois, but it was pretty, we were pretty certain of being able to retain Verdun as a solid seat for us. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I looked at is the actual writing of Dominique Anglade in Saint-Henri-Saint-Anne, where it's just neck and neck. It's a three-way yeah. race over there. 28, 28, 26. So CAC yeah. 28, PLQ 28, and the QS at 26. It is a three-way race. Um, I'm surprised that the Quebec City Delta hasn't commissioned a poll in that race. And it is the president of, of Quebec City Delta that is uh, running in, in that uh, riding there in Saint-Henri-Saint-Anne against Dominique Anglade. And it's a relatively young uh, candidate for the CAC, uh, Nicolas Huard Isabelle, uh, who you know I've had a few interactions with over the course of my years in politics. Good young man. He's he's making a stake in politics. Um, the question is, maybe he will end up being perhaps the youngest member of the uh, CAC caucus uh, come October third, and, and especially and, and what a major upset that would be too. Dominique Anglade in her own riding, uh, I don't see a way that she'd be able to uh, forge a path forward as leader of the PLQ, especially. No, no, no. You, lose, you lose your riding. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's an uh, indication. That's that's a strong that's a strong repudiation, not just from your base across the province, but from your people, but from Oof. the people that vote for yeah, you yeah. in the riding. That's huge. The other one that I looked at uh, is the writing of Maurice Richard, which is the old writing of Cremazy. That's where Marie Montpetit uh, was elected. Uh, for those wondering, this this is a writing that always flip flop between PQ and liberals at that time. Uh, you know, the liberals would have it for uh, one or two mandates, then it would go to the PQ. Uh, Lisette Lapointe was there, uh, who you know, the, the 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 wife of former Premier uh, Jacques Parizeau. And then uh, I believe it was in 2014. It was in during that campaign when um, uh, Marie Montpetit came in. Um, she was ousted by the the caucus, and uh, yeah, I thought for sure uh, that Quebec Solidaire might make a, a, an entry there. But then a lot of people were suggesting that nah, it's going to go to the CAC. I looked at it, and the Quebec Solidaire seems to be ahead over there. Uh, it's pretty tight. It's pretty yeah. tight. They're, they're within the margin of error. So it's 29-29 with a margin of error of 7%. So again, it's it's a fairly widespread in that sense. And the liberals are in third, I believe, right? Yeah, they're in third at 18%. So again, this is this was a liberal riding. Um, Marie Montpetit, now an independent. She was kicked out of caucus. And, uh, you know, somebody who I, I'm very familiar with, Jonathan Marlot, a former uh, leader of the youth wing of the Quebec Liberal Party, uh, somebody who has run um, in uh, previous elections for the PLQ, uh, wasn't successful, you know, and I think was hoping to run in a riding where the PLQ could still hold on to. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. Uh, it, it is it is a two-way race between the CAC and, yeah. and the Quebec City. The, the thing that I found interesting, and we spoke about this, I think, in uh, in the earlier episodes, uh, where we thought Quebec Solidaire might lose the ridings it had around the region of Quebec. Uh, it seems as though Tashero, uh, they're holding on to that one. But Jean Lesage is one that they may potentially lose. Also, Roy Noranda up in the... Um, up in North Quebec. Right. Again, still within the margin of error for Jean Assage, uh, 34-33 split for CAC and Quebec Solidaire. 
Coming in third uh, right now, given the statistics that we have, would be the Conservative Party of Quebec, but they're way behind at 16%. Again, very, very large margin of error of 7%. So again, things can fluctuate very quickly, and this is only giving you a very quick snapshot of the general understanding of where the polls are leading us uh, nationally across, uh, well, provincially, of course. Um, so it's again, it's very hard to tell. But again, it's 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 going to come down to these two way races or these three way races, depending. And they may on uh, and Quebec Solidaire may very well also uh, be at risk in Sherbrooke. Uh, the old writing of uh, Premier uh, Jean Charest, uh, who after losing the election to, in 2012, uh, you had Eric Fortin. I think Eric Fortin uh, uh, was his name. Eric Fortin. Uh, Good question. <laughs> it was it was a it was a fortin uh right. he was a staff- uh, luke fortin luke fortin luke, sorry sorry about that yeah who's a former staffer i remind you george yeah. for luke, the quebec liberal party yeah. luke fortin and then he lost it in the last election it was a major gain for quebec solidaire and yeah. now the cac put caroline saint-silaire a major figure uh former member of the bloc quebecois uh up in ottawa and uh she then became a very popular uh tv personality um, and she was of course mayor of longay Ma- mayor of longay i forgot about that one yeah, yeah yeah uh so she seems to be doing well there you know the the interesting thing for me to 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 see you know throughout the rest of this campaign is if whether or not quebec solidaire will go into this realm where they will forever or maybe not forever but for a while battle the liberal party for the region of montreal are they going to become both those parties just regional parties for for the greater montreal or maybe just for the montreal area that for me is something that's going to be interesting because if quebec solidaire loses sherbrooke if they lose the writings up in quebec city which tashero maybe not but who knows uh and they're and they make certain gains in montreal then maybe that's what it's going to be left uh, maybe that's what we're going to come down to just you know have those two parties battling it out for montreal Right. And I, I can tell you the, the answer uh, for, for what they want, rather, not what will happen on October 3rd, because nobody can really predict that. But what they want, they, they want to be a, a province by party. No party wants to be based on one single region uh, and, and sort of stuck there and not being able to expand. So th- them being able to retain the, you know, Jean, Jean Lesage, um, uh, them being able to retain a Sherbrooke, a Rwanda, that's going to be important uh, for them to uh, have uh, in their in their war chest and saying, look what we were able to do outside of the Montreal region. That's going to be big. Mm-hmm. Um, George, there is one more riding that I wanted to point at. That's the riding of Marquette. Marquette, yeah. And, and the reason why I, I think it's so important is that this has been a, a, a liberal riding for, for time and memorial. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to note uh, that this also has a, a very strong Anglophone population within Dorval and also Lachine too. But essentially it is the town, the city of Dorval and the borough of Lachine uh, that make up the riding of Marquette in itself. And right now we're seeing a 34-34 tie. Again, wide margin of error, 7%. But this is not something that we would have fathomed uh, a few elections ago, oh, the CAC oh. being able to come on to uh, some very Anglo West Island territory. That for me is quite shocking, but um, there is a Francophone voter base there in Marquette, um, especially in Lachine that is able to uh, influence these types of elections from these types of ridings that are these strong, formerly stronghold PLQ and make them pivot uh, potentially towards the CAC. 
Interesting. Uh, there's a lot to um, to follow. Uh, and uh, let's just see if uh, going into the third week, we'll have more blunders. Because in my experience, that's the window where everything comes out. Um, thanks again. Thanks again for coming on, uh, Michael. And for everyone listening, thank you so much. Uh, you can obviously um, follow and subscribe. We're on all platforms, whether it's audio or YouTube and Facebook. Send us some comments. If you have any questions, let us know. If there's anything you want us to answer, we'll be more than glad to do so. Um, we'll see you again. Uh, what day is it? Thursday. So we'll see you Monday. <laughs> now I'm losing. Who are we? Why are we here? What's going on? <laughs> we'll see you guys on Monday. Michael, thanks, man. Have a good day. Take it easy, George. See ya. Yeah, bye-bye.